Welcome to Trust Tree Talks, a podcast that connects a tribe of kick-ass women doing what it takes to make their lives shine. We're your hosts, Lisa Shower and Elizabeth Holmes. Thanks for tuning in. We're glad you're here. We hope you've tuned in to our previous episodes of season two of Trust Tree Talks as we've explored our personal recovery plans for redefining our new normal. We are uncomfortable adapting, changing, and transforming during an unprecedented pandemic, an economic collapse, a racial reckoning, and a real fear of what's coming next. So far this season, we've been lucky to host some amazing guests, and their extraordinary stories have challenged us to think and truly nourish our souls. September 20th marks six months since Washington State Governor Jay Inslee introduced the Stay Home, Stay Healthy order to our communities. And on September 22nd, there will be 100 days left in 2020. How wild is that? On today's episode, we're talking about what we're looking forward to in those 100 days and how we're planning to end this year strong. I looked at your questions that you sent over and the idea of a hundred days until the end of the year and what kind of feelings does that bring up? At first it was relief. And then now it's a little um, anxious as I was walking this morning, I thought I'm kind of got some anxiety about what the hell is next? I mean, we just continue to have just more and more weirdness roll into our lives. And I think we're at a place where, okay, there's some hope, some light at the end of the tunnel. And then something else weird happens, like all of these fires right now. And can you imagine being the uh, husband and wife in California and they're doing a gender reveal party and they set off fireworks and now the state's ablaze? I mean, just really weird things that all of a sudden seem to be impacting all of us in different ways. How are you feeling? Um, I think when I first counted it up, I was just sort of in shock. Like, where did the year go? I mean, how could that be that there's more than two thirds done? And then, I mean, I honestly, I feel like I'm a little low this morning, but I got a little excited because I felt like it sort of gave me a container of like, okay, there's a hundred days. What can I do? Or, you know, what do I, how can I shape those 100 days? What would feel good at the end of that? I don't know about you, but I felt like the last six months have been just like a long fever dream, almost (laughs) like anything, any plans that we made for 2020 just got blown up and everything we thought it was going to kind of look like it, it didn't, you know, nothing panned out, but it just has seemed to kind of like drug on in this. I don't even know how to describe it. I mean, fever dream, I guess, does it. but, and I, I guess it's just sort of woke me up like, okay, well the hundred days, like I can do something with a hundred days. <laughs> like I can feel better on the 31st to say, you know, I honored the uncertainty that came in the middle of the year, but I also took a little um, agency for the last third of the year. I feel like I've spent a lot of my life planning what's to come next. Milestones, right? So, oh, we have the holidays. Are we going to stay home? Are we going to have everybody over? What's that plan look like? 
what's summer vacation look like? Where are we going to go this summer? You know, all of those kind of big moments. And I'm now looking at, okay, what's something to look forward to next month? You know, <laughs> really much smaller smaller milestones and smaller durations of time, which I feel like we've had all these inspirational memes about like live in the moment and all (laughs) of that kind of rhetoric for a long time. And I just didn't really embrace that because it was like, oh, in two years, we can afford to do that big trip. In (laughs) four years, we'll do this. And now um, the idea of planning anything at any scale just isn't a reality. I just don't know what's going to happen. So what can I commit to next month that I think we can do and look forward to or so that it doesn't feel like we're in Groundhog Day every day is the <laughs> same, right? Because you got to have something to look forward to, but it's not at the same level that it has been, which no. is disappointing, but it's also, I mean, I also feel like I'm reconciling myself with that. Like, I don't know when I'm getting on a plane again, and I don't know when I'm headed over to put my feet in the sand in Hawaii. I And I kept thinking, by October, I can do that. Well, maybe for Christmas. Well, not anymore. Now I'm just yeah, like, I mean, just like, yeah, but when that happens, it'll happen. <laughs> oh, right. no. Yeah. I mean, I think the Buddhists are celebrating because we're all being forced to live in the moment way more than, than we have done. I mean, I, you can fight about that like you fight against that for as long as you want but I think that's when you end up setting yourself up for some serious disappointment and depression if you if you do continue you know if you hadn't been like well maybe I should just stop looking out so far and start looking at what I can do next week or (laughs) today or yeah I think that's important so do you think like having that context does that change how you look at your next couple months 100 days i think that i'm in a unique situation where i am grateful that the world stopped because i needed the world around me to stop and when i look at we have 100 more days left in the year i'm looking at what really truly am I grateful for that has happened this year because there have been some really scary moments for us at our house. And there's been some scary moments for me from a professional perspective, (laughs) given COVID, where I thought, this isn't going to work. Like, we're not going to make it. And I'm really in this moment so glad that I had the space the mental space and um, the relief from some of the professional work and demands that allowed me to be completely focused on what my family needed now. Mm -hmm. And what can I do to kind of honor this time that we've had together and feel like I'm ending the year strong, as strong as I can, because there's so much we can't control, we can't even influence. So what am I accepting is my new reality? And and what kinds of things are we going to continue to look forward to and create some new traditions or new things to get excited about? So I, I am looking forward to wrapping up 2020. I'm again, I just feel this little bit of a sense of anxiety about once we finish those 100 days, what the heck is 2021 going to look like, you know, and a little bit afraid of, you know, I don't, I think there's a lot of, you know, 2020 was a terrible year. I like to be able to frame it with 
there's some really tough things that happened in our world. There's some tough things that happened at our household, but these are the things that I want to remember from 2020. You know, COVID created all of this time that we were forced to be together and uh, it turned out to be a really good thing for us, you know, unlike maybe some of the other uh, headlines where we've got folks that are rapidly making it to divorce attorneys. You know, I mean, there, there are some really wonderful things that have happened. Does having this context change your approach to the next several months? Well, I feel like having the container of 100 days is helpful because I like to do little projects. I like to have time limited. You know, I like to check things off a list. I like to give myself gold stars. I like that. That motivates me. So it's helpful for me. And like, I want to do a hundred days of happiness, which is a thing I found online, which every day for a hundred days, you take a picture and post it online with like the hashtag a hundred days of happiness, I think is the hashtag, but I'll put that in the show notes. So that gives me like, okay, that's doable. It's a hundred days. It's not like every day for the rest of my life. I have to take a picture that makes me happy. But um, I know when I do things like that routinely and just build them into my day, it does give my mood a boost. Because I, in that case, I'm scanning for something that day that is going to make me happy. So that mentally is a good thing. So I like having that context that 100 day barrier in that way, because I, I can plan things. And like, if I, you know, I, I've been working on a novel, and I say, well, I've got 100 days to do that. And, you know, the typical novel 60,000 words, like I can do the math and be like, okay, I've got, if I write X number of words, I'm not going to do the math in my head right now, because that wouldn't be good. But I have, I have to write X number of pages a day to to your words a day to meet that. So I, it's good in that way. But I will say I am a changed person from 2020. And I, as you know, I've been going through a long period of substantial change, many years. I'm very different than when I first met you. Oh, thank you, Chris. That would be 600 words a day. Thank you, Chris. For showing me Piece that, of cake. I that I can't do math. <laughs> Actually, now that I think about that, I could do that math in my head. That was very round. That's just uh, <laughs> a mental block I have <laughs> that I can't do math. I can do math, especially round math. So I'm different. And in the past, I would have been like, oh, 100 days. What am I going to get done? How am I going to increase my productivity? what are my goals for the next hundred days? And I try not to live in that space anymore. So while I was, I'm appreciative of the kind of project mentality that I can bring to a hundred days to see what I can do. I'm under no illusion that at the end of a hundred days, this lifts and we somehow go back to how things were before. So I guess that's how I approach it is, as like some time limited projects I can do that are fun for me or something I can give myself a gold star for. But yeah, I've explored a lot in the last six months about kind of where I fit in on the idea of doing more as opposed to being more. And I for sure want to be more. 
That was so well said. (laughs) I love the 100 days of happiness. What I also think is really incredible about that concept is you're looking at it and I think we're looking at it more holistically and not compartmentalizing. So 100 days of work, of uh, productivity, as you mentioned, 100 days of at home, 100 days of being the best mom, 100 days of being the best wife, right? So again, another thing that I think COVID has helped us with is it's very much this whole life, right? So I can be in the middle of doing something and I get a, hey, mom, I need help with this. Not a typical day. And yet we're finding a way to make all of that work. Uh, We've started at our house, um, Al makes lunch for the two kiddos that are both going to school. And it's this big thing, like, what's lunch going to be today? And it's not just sandwiches. Like, you know, they're asking for specific things and he's delivering it. And you wouldn't have that opportunity if we weren't looking at this in terms of kind of our whole self. And mm-hmm. we've heard a couple of speakers in uh, the last couple of years that have referred to this work-life balance. And what I love about the idea of this whole life is that we can integrate all of these elements to create happiness, not I'm happy when I'm at work and I have this incredible Gantt chart of all the things that I'm (laughs) going to get done, or I'm happy at home because we've done this thing together or we've gone on this trip, but instead we're looking at what is that happiness that happens every day a little bit at a time. So I love that. And that is, I love that goal. I think I could do that. <laughs> Gives right? you something very targeted and mm-hmm. and you're continuing to connect with others without being in person connecting with others. So utilizing yeah. social media in a positive way, given the political rhetoric right now in social media, I am having a hard time figuring out how to find my way into pushing some positivity out in the world. <laughs> yes. Yeah, I mean, I could do challenges like uh, 100 days of very limited social media, and I think I would mentally be in a better place. It's rough out there. (laughs) It is, and I think that I've kind of kept myself in a little bit of a bubble on social media because I don't do a whole lot, Uh but I have noticed that there are others that are really mixing it up online (laughs) and... uh, And it's brutal. And it's not really, I don't think, where we need to be given the hand of God that is served up to us right now in terms of (laughs) pandemics and fires and, you know, all the other, all the other things. So we can find a way to see happiness. I love that project. I think that's great. I think, yeah, when I stumbled across that, I thought that was really beautiful. So I guess you wouldn't really... I had a question, like, are you going to use this as a resolution restart? And I, I hear you say, no, I'm not going to use that as a resolution restart. Is that true? I think there are a lot of things that together I'm proud of having to having accomplished. And I think there are a lot of things that we have slated for the end of the year that I'm going to be really proud of being able to say that we have gotten done and launched. Mm-hmm. But I think that I've just settled a lot more than I have in the past in in terms of this is an okay place for us to be and truly let's find the happiness in this place rather than I've got a race to get to the end of the year and I've got all these things that I have to get done and these are the you know this is what success at the end of the year is going to look like I'm not thinking in those terms anymore but I'm thinking in terms of what are the things that we can say 
gosh, we're really proud of having to accomplished in this 2020, despite uh-huh. everything that's been <laughs> thrown our way. What can we say that we were able to do or connect or bring people together to see each other? And we've had some really great opportunities to have some pretty awesome guests on our podcast and to have people sign up and say yes to writing a book with us that we're going to launch. I mean, we, we've been able to do things despite all of the challenges that have been presented. Are you seeing the next hundred days as a resolution restart? No, no. That was a confident no. No, I don't do, I don't do resolutions anymore. I do goals, but uh, we do a family goal board. And so all the goals related to travel, we've kind of covered up with sticky notes, but <laughs> there's other, you know, things around connection and movement that remain up there. And so, no, it's not a resolution restart for me. And I, I, you know, would want to track on what you are saying about what's been good about 2020. There's a lot that's good about 2020. And I think we get as a society so wrapped up in, you know, feeling bad, feeling sorry, looking at the bad stuff that's happened. And, and I know I come from a really privileged place. I have food on the table. I have a roof up for my head. I'm very aware of my privilege. And also there have been really wonderful things that have come out of this year. I've learned so much I can't even quantify between, you know, the work we've done with Trust Tree and co- contacting and connecting with our podcast guests who have taught me things in our conversation and also like spun me off into other areas to, to read things or listen to things and the podcasts that I listen to, to like prepare myself for our podcast to try to listen to what other people do and up my game and, you know, even learning how to have a podcast this year, like that's a huge, huge thing. You know, I always want to be learning, you know, what a curious person I am. So that's been amazing. And it's been a gift to spend more time with my family as, you know, irritating as it is sometimes when you rub up against people and living in such close quarters, I will never regret having more time with them. So, you know, that's been a gift and having the time to be quiet and to figure out what my priorities are. I think you touched on this, this distraction, the lessening of the distraction has highlighted what I truly want to spend my time on, what's truly important to me, the people that are truly important to me. And I've, I kind of think about it. I've started to think about it in as sort of what I want to spend my time on is more cultivating and maintaining and tending as opposed to chasing the new thing or creating the new thing or growth for the sake of growth. Uh, doesn't appeal to me anymore, which since you knew me, you've known me a long time and growth for the sake of growth has been that charge for sure has driven me a long time. But now I just feel like what I feel good about, what really fills me up is 
tending relationships and deepening relationships and deepening my knowledge and deepening connections and helping where I can other people like you know, maintaining those relationships. I, I just think about it as like a garden, like your life is a garden and you have all these different pieces of your garden and you want it to grow healthy and you want it. So you've got to spend time on it. You've got to weed it, you know, get rid of distractions that are uh, stunting your growth and you've got to plant new things in it to get the biodiversity. Um, but you don't have to just keep planting new fields. So that's probably kind of a tortured analogy, but <laughs> some of the gift of 2020 for me is that self-knowledge that I never, I mean, I know like I thought my life was very quiet before this, like, and compared to most of the people in my life, my life is very quiet. The, the pace has been slower so I was astonished to see like, wow, I really was working hard at distracting myself. <laughs> like I had a lot of things I was doing that weren't adding value to my life still, even though I thought I'd stripped it away. So that's been a gift of 2020. I think the quiet and the opportunity to, to step back without the noise and distraction also helps to see what was the obligation and what was something that truly filled me up? And I certainly now can see the things that I felt I was driven or motivated by because it was an obligation or someone had in some way made me feel like I had to do it or I should do it. You know, the whole should, uh, I don't feel anymore. I also think that my health and my family's health wasn't something I would put in a list of values that I had mm -hmm. until those were tested. And now I feel very confident about saying, no, we're not ready to meet in person. No, we're not ready to head to a restaurant, even if it's outside dining. And I'm okay with that. I'm centered around that. And in the past, I would have been so motivated to please other people that I would have probably, eh, maybe I'll do that. Okay, let's do it this way. I would have found a way to say yes. And now I feel much more confident to say no, because I feel as though I've had more time, more quiet time to get very clear about what my priorities and my values are. And I had that perspective before. I just didn't put health in that list of top values until it was challenged and threatened. And, and it's just too scary for me personally to feel like I'm going to sacrifice or negotiate that particular value. But I see others that that isn't the same value and that's okay. And I don't judge them. I just want to make sure that we're honoring each other and that we've all had time to think about what in this moment we need the most. Is it gathering with other people? Is it maybe continuing to stay a bit quarantined? Is it a combination or a hybrid of both? But um, there are very different responses to health as a value in this moment right now. And I just feel very fortunate to have had enough quiet time to say, nope, that is our value of our family and this is how it's going to show up. Do you feel like you had enough quiet time to take that into the holidays? Because I feel like everyone's going to be tested with the holidays coming up. Are you 
how are you feeling about the holidays? How are you, are you envisioning? I know you do a lot. You have so much family. <laughs> yes. I feel a deep sense of relief. Honestly, I don't feel compelled to do anything like we've ever done before. And, and, you know, I mean, my husband's older than I am. He has grandchildren. So there are stockings for grandchildren for our kiddo filled with things. Now, the older they get, the smaller those items are and the more expensive they are, but we'd fill them all up, do all of this shopping. I mean, I was consumed with a couple months of a very detailed project plan on how we get gifts sent to Hawaii, how we get gifts sent to folks in Oregon and Idaho, how we ensure that those that are coming to our house, which all of the gatherings were in our home, were ready for that. And that's not happening. Like I almost am a little bit giddy about the fact that I don't have to feel social pressure around figuring out a way to make all that happen because it's not going to happen. That's amazing. This is like a brand new Lisa. Like, I, <laughs> <laughs> I expected you to be like a little like, well, but no, you are like firm. And some of that's also our living conditions. Like we live in a two bedroom condo. Like you can't come over. There's no social distancing here. Like there's not enough space for that. I'm in the closet. No, you know, (laughs) so we're not going to gather and think that we can do this given COVID and, and I'm, I'm just not going to do the shopping that I did before. I'm not going to do the days of wrapping Christmas presents and putting them in a box and mailing them it's not going to happen. And I am really centered with that. But I believe that you've been a huge influence on getting out and moving. And so my ability to take walks and have you in my ear and us talk through some things and just getting outside and thinking through, looking at this a little bit more objectively, some of the things that I did and the reasons that I did them were all motivated by love and belonging, but perhaps misguided by the idea that a material gift is what will link me to a deeper sense of belonging with someone else. And now given that we're not all going to be together to unwrap those gifts that I spent so long finding and putting in beautiful packages, now it changes that value for me. Is it really a gift that they need, want, or is there something I can do that maybe can be more heartfelt, maybe won't even cost as much money or shipping (laughs) and isn't going to take the time that I would have put into trying to find the perfect gift. Uh So I'm kind of excited because it's going to be so different, but it is a huge relief, huge relief this year. So in my mind, it's like, we can keep this sheltering in place for years to come because I'm kind (laughs) of really enjoying the freedom that this has given me not to feel like I've got to be in the car driving all over the place to connect with people. What's uh, the holidays going to look like at the Holmes household? Oh, it won't be that different. You know, (laughs) we're kind of, I mean, we usually go to uh, my husband's parents' farm for Thanksgiving and we won't be doing that this year. But I mean, that's usually a small gathering anyway. And they're in the middle of building a house, so it probably wasn't going to happen anyway. So I, I suppose we'll do some sort of Zoom Thanksgiving so we kind of eat together, but I'm kind of excited because I've never done, I've never had to make Thanksgiving dinner. Oh, uh, okay. So, yeah, I'm taking that on as a challenge. As you know, awesome. I am not 
a cook. I do not, I, I can bake and I enjoy baking. I have not previously enjoyed cooking, but I'm kind of excited to like give it a shot or I might just chicken out and, uh, <laughs> thank you, Chris. He's letting me know Butterball has a hotline. Thank you. Or I might just call new seasons and <laughs> order Thanksgiving from them. And also like we have small families and scattered families and, you know, we were distanced before social distancing was a thing. So it won't be that different. And if, yeah, like for Christmas, a big difference is we usually go out to dinner on Christmas Eve and we'll probably get takeout. So I actually feel the timing is probably accurate for something major to shake it up. Cause like our kids are getting older, so it's just not the same as it was when they were little and excited. So I can see that we could put more effort into, you know, my, my daughter likes to do board game, like brackets, like championships, maybe doing something like that or doing the photos. We did last year, we did a photo scavenger hunt for the holidays and maybe just revising that to do it from the car. So we're still doing special things, but it's just different. And I've always been in awe of your effort on the holidays because I was like, I couldn't even imagine doing that much. So like hats off, but also a bigger hats off that you're like, yeah, I'm, I'm done with that done it. (laughs) Well, and it's an opportunity to reset. So Mm -hmm. I don't have to go back to the way in which we were doing things when we can come back together. So yeah, (laughs) again, a little, okay, this reset that is being forced upon us is actually a gift for me because now I can embrace, we're going to do some things differently. And I loved your scavenger hunt last year. And I've thought about maybe we do something like that because we can do it from a distance Uh um, and involve kiddos that live in different areas. And that could be really fun. Yeah. I think it's about the authentic and genuine connection rather than the gift. Cause if it's really, you need a gift, I'm just going to send you money and you can (laughs) buy your own gift, you know, which I've been opposed to that because I haven't felt like it's very genuine or that I have put in the effort to think about what it is you might want, but we're in a different place now. And really do see it as an opportunity rather than, you know, something that I'm missing out on. But that might be my introverted self also coming out (laughs) where I don't have to bring it to all these different, you know, events and milestones. And instead, we might be able to enjoy the holidays even more so because it'll be not a big, you know, lead up event. It'll just be those moments with some Hallmark, you know, movies on and some cookies and Ooh, you're making it sound so good. <laughs> I think you'll love doing the Thanksgiving dinner. I've done it twice. And you just feel a huge sense of accomplishment because it is kind of iconic, the ability to, to do that. It is also a little stressful, but we are probably going to do the new seasons route because I feel like, ah, check, <laughs> I don't have to do it every year. But it's kind of fun. It's something to look forward to. Yeah. I mean, as far as a holiday reset, as you're saying that, I'm thinking I wouldn't mind it if we did a little societal reset. I mean, part of the holidays I have not enjoyed are the holiday obligations, the, you know, events that you get invited to because tangentially, you know, someone and you go and stand around and it's usually the same people and you're having the same conversations. 
And I know that's my introvert is like, yeah, let's stop doing those things. <laughs> but I think there's a different way to do those things. I know for my husband's work, we've always done a, a lunch. And then the last year we did a breakfast for his employees, like, you know, just a holiday event to, to say thank you. And I always thought that was nice, but to be honest, someone always complains. So it never, I never felt like it was received in the spirit that it was offered. And that's okay. I've been an employee. I've complained about everything my boss has done. It's not like I don't get it, but it does like take, it kind of sucks the fun out of it. If you, especially when you look around and you've been a boss, Lisa, I mean, you are a boss. You're a boss and you're also a boss. Like, you know, when you look around the room and your employees, like, you know, which ones are just like going to go out and complain about it in the hallway. And you're like, you know, you don't feel warm and fuzzy about it. So I've been thinking about how to, you know, still say thank you, but maybe do it in a different way this year that maybe is more meaningful for people. I'm trying to also do things that are not expected um, because I do think that we get into this habit of, okay, it's December 25th. So we need to do gift giving. I had the opportunity to spend time at each employee's house doing drop-offs. So um, we've onboarded a few folks and we need some new equipment. And instead of having everything shipped, I had it shipped to my house. And then that gave me a reason to make doorstop deliveries. And it was really fun. And I'm standing in the doorway, having a quick conversation, connecting with our masks on, dropping something off. And the level of appreciation was tremendous because it wasn't expected. It wasn't something that everyone was looking at the clock and the the time on the calendar and saying, okay, where's my gift? And is it going to be good <laughs> enough? You know? And I do think that in some of the professional world and that networking world, there is some of those expectations that just have been socially conditioned or we've come to accept and continue to perpetuate, but the unexpected and the, just a, a card in the mail, another Elizabeth Holmes opportunity to try and grow and stretch means so much. So how can we do more of that? Really getting at the authenticity of trying to connect in a different way. Oh yeah. You could do a hundred days of the unexpected. That would be like a fun oh, challenge, right? Yeah, that would be. It could be like something small, like you put chocolate sauce on your popcorn. I did that the other night. I just needed to get what? That out there. Yeah. That's both sweet and salty. <laughs> right? <laughs> we should package that up and uh, sell that. So Chris has a challenge for us. Okay. Okay. Um, in the chat box. <laughs> Ooh. <laughs> Game on. How do you use the next 100 days to prepare for a 365 day challenge in 2021? What could that be like? Yeah, that's a great question. Yeah, F you, Chris. Yeah. <laughs> hey, Chris, what are you doing? <laughs> I think that just raises a really great point that I have had a little bit of a wall around 2020. Like I will give lip service to that 2021 that I know this is going into 2021, but I think like mentally I've been like, no, like things will be different in 2021. <laughs> yeah. They could be worse. Like, 
Well, I love your 100 days of happiness. I mean, that feels like an easy lift for 365 days because mm-hmm. it's the way in which we should all be living is finding those moments of happiness every day. I do, I do wonder what that might look like. What is 365 days? What's a full year campaign that you can do that really changes the way you think, maybe changes the way you look at your, your body, your spirit, all of that. What could we do for 365 days? The biggest change I have made that I could actually expand would be my meditation practice. I don't think people have to meditate in the way that they think of it classically. I think you can pray. I think you can just have silent mindfulness. But if you did that for even 15 minutes a day, that would make your 365 days of 2021 a little more bearable. I truly believe the silence and the mindfulness that you get from just being quiet. Because how many of us are quiet for a set amount of time every day? would prepare you for 2021. I like that idea. Chris is suggesting that you redefine what your day looks like. Like you take the next 100 days so that you enter 2021 with sort of a renewed spirit and a renewed approach to your day. You know, September kind of is the new January anymore. I think we are all primed from childhood that that's that's a good time to reset. So what would I want to reset now so that when the calendar does flip into 2021, I'm I'm moving in the direction that I already want to be moving in. There's a word that's continually being thrown out right now, but I do believe that it is kind of the theme, which is that resiliency. And how do you build those resiliency muscles if you're not practicing every day? Redefinition. Right. So oh, not trying yeah. to do the same thing over and over again, expecting a different result. Somebody famous said that that's insanity. How do we redefine? How do we continue to to learn how to be resilient? Because it's not that we will be void of another massive issue that hits us. It's how we recover and how we continue to move forward. I think there's always a lot of pressure around the beginning of a new year. And I really like the new year starting in September <laughs> as opposed <laughs> to January. I, even just from a personal, um, just mindfulness about, I just am deeply affected by the weather and January sucks and it's cold and it's gray. And I, I you know, it's just, it's, I'm not ever going to come up with something <laughs> optimistic to look forward to. Um, and September feels like there's hope and it's the beginning of a new year with fresh pencils and, you know, markers that no one really needs, but they're at the store. And, you know, (laughs) this is the time when you buy new school supplies. So it does feel a little bit like an opportunity is presented right now for some redefinition before we have to wait to a resolution timeline that says January, we're going to do things differently. What would you do differently? Or would you do anything differently? Because I'm just like really pondering this on the fly, which I don't do as quickly as Lisa does. So, um, no, I just love watching your mind work. And I'm like, what's the next? I'm like, you're going to start getting out. some smoke out of my ears. Yeah. My goodness. Cause I'm like, really like, so there's like a class for me internally where 
you know, I am drawn to like, it's a hundred days or it's, you know, the new September is the new January. Like I want to slip into these, like a better me, right. I'm going to be the best me I can be. And I think I'm societally conditioned to want to be the best me I can be. I think a ton of my self-help reading and deep dive into that over the years has been this desire to be the best me I can be. And I've had all of this momentum and movement and creating some systems to, to be the best me I can be. And then in the last, I don't know, few months, maybe weeks, I've read a couple books that made me realize that I don't need to be the best me I can be. There doesn't need to be a superlative in there. I need to be the truest me I can be. And that involves like peeling back layers of conditioning, peeling back layers of scars from upbringings. And, you know, I I guess you can wrap that all into conditioning, but ways of belief things I believe about myself, things I believe have believed to be true and examining each of those beliefs and, and testing for truthfulness to be the, the truest me I can be. And it kind of got started a few weeks ago when my therapist referred to me as formidable. And I was like, I'm not formidable. Like, yeah, I know you're making that face at me, but I was just like, I was so rejecting of that. I was like, I'm like the least formidable woman I know. And she was just like, I'm going to challenge you on that. And, you know, I want you to think about that. Cause I don't think it's a negative word. It wasn't like, I felt like she was judging me or anything. It's just, in fact, I, some of my favorite women, most of my favorite women are, I would describe as formidable. And, um, just in the process of unpacking that and looking at how I view myself and being able to a little bit better step outside of myself and, and look at me from the outside with some clarity, I was like, Oh, Oh, okay. Like, yeah, I think the truest self, my deepest expression of myself when I am in my, um, truest place. Yeah. I'm actually pretty formidable. Yeah. Okay. What else? (laughs) What else is there about me that I don't know that I need to know? So, So I guess that's kind of where the tension is, is I'm more conditioned to be like, what can I do to prepare myself for 2021 going in as my best self, as opposed to something. And that's very external. There's like things I can do. There's things I can check off a list. There's physical expressions of that. And how can I go into 2021 being my truest self? That's so much more internal and it's way harder for me to give myself a check mark or a gold star for that work. Which I think the concept of your best self is still an expression of the competitive nature that we both have. So how do I define best? How do I achieve best? It's obviously not where I'm at right now, but it's where I'm going. It's a destination to get to. And your truest self is uncovering the things that are just naturally 
your center. I love that. I think it's incredible. I, from my perspective of you, feel like you've made that transition when you said, peace out, I'm not going to do this in this way anymore, and I need to stay true to who I am. So it's interesting just the nuance of words between best and true, because I feel like you have been living that true self. I think that one of the things that you and I have been able to do this year, and a lot of it is this reflection with the microphone um, in front of us, but is really truly be awake. And I'm disappointed that there's not more people in this moment that have gone through a bit of awakening. I mean, you really have to not pay attention to what's going on around us, especially where we live, what's happening in Portland, what's happening in our world. We should each be checking our own privilege. We should each be checking our own filters that we have in the way in which we look at our lives and the lives of others. And that awakening, I think really for me, uh, integrates with the trueness of who I am and the vulnerability to be able to say, I don't know. And I haven't had that experience, but tell me more. And openness to listening. It doesn't feel like there's a lot of people there's not a lot of people that are listening. They're really pushing their own thoughts and opinions rather than being open to hearing and to challenging themselves. Like having someone say to you that you're formidable, which of course I think, yeah. Uh, And I think of it in a good way. I think of it as a positive attribute, not in a negative. I think of it as a powerful expression of all of your badass awesomeness, but your pause at, wait a minute. that's not me. You're and have been open to listening and open to being awoken in a different way. And, and that I'm proud of in 2020 for us. I mean, I do think that we've done more of that and we've processed that through this podcast and we've processed it through our walks together. And that is what I hope from this day forward, I'll continue to do. Are there ways that I can reevaluate my own biases, what I'm bringing, something that might be unconscious that I need to look at this differently. And I need to surround myself with people that are going to challenge, am I being my true self or am I trying to be competitive with myself to come up with my best self? And I think it means you have to mix it up. You have to be around people that don't think exactly the same way you do. So you can pause and, hmm, that's an interesting perspective. I mean, I I just think that there's never been a better time to be quiet and to really, truly allow the distractions to go away and to choose to be awake. I could not agree more. I think about everyone we have interviewed on this podcast has given me a gift of a different perspective or some piece of wisdom or even like when we interviewed Betty Sue, getting the different facets of Betty Sue that I didn't know were there before. Like, whoa, like, oh, look at that. (laughs) Look at all that stuff I didn't know. And being open to that. I mean, it's changed me to hear these women's stories and that they were so willing to be vulnerable and share on deeper levels. I felt like we didn't have superficial interviews. I felt like women were very open to sharing their stories, which kind of brings me to wanting to talk a little bit about um, the book baby we gave birth to or about to give birth to in 2020. It's one of the things I'm most proudest of just to, for those people who haven't heard us talk about it, Elisa and I 
uh, put together an anthology called Omitted from My Obituary, The Stories We Neglect to Share. It's a collection of 17, is that right? 17 women's stories uh, around that topic of what's the story that's not going to make it into your obituary that you want to make sure everybody knows. And we finally have it together in uh, a gorgeous format designed by Brenda Rose. That's amazing. And I had the opportunity to read it all the way through with the beautiful design just recently. And I don't know that there's anything we've done with Trust Tree that I've been prouder of, quite honestly. And as a creative person, I've had a very different response to this in that I am completely detached from external response to that. If people love it, I think that's great. But I don't need that external validation on this. I think this is an important piece of work that I'm so proud to put out into the world. So that, that was just a new feeling for me that I, I, I rely on external validation. I'm very, I've been very into that in the past. And this is the first piece that I've been a part of where I understood the value of the art for the art's sake. So I don't know what your experience with this book is, but. Well, it was emotional. I mean, it's been a journey that we started June of 2019 Mm -hmm. when we had coffee with Betty Sue Morris and she said yes. Each of the conversations that we had were emotional because I don't know that a lot of women have been asked to share their story, their authentic story. The concept from coffee to actual chapter has been a labor of love. Uh, We asked some very busy, smart uh, women who don't have a lot of time to be quiet and to write a piece of their story that might be omitted. And so some of the logistics have been a bit challenging and not made it kind of the fun, the, you know, really rewarding experience that I was hoping to have because it just felt a little bit like, you know, it was a, it was a hustle to have the opportunity this past week to read it front to back. It was worth every moment of hustle to get those women to give us all of these different pieces that we wanted in order to accomplish this vision of this anthology. And each chapter is so different and it is so heartfelt and vulnerable. It's all the things that we have hoped to be able to express in our podcast and um, in bringing women together. It's this truly activation of a tribe of women. I feel so proud to have a piece of that, to have a chapter in this anthology, but I feel like the work together collaboratively as a whole is just outstanding. And uh, there was a moment there I thought it's going to be one anthology and that's it. We're not ever doing this project again. And now I'm really excited. There are so many women who have extraordinary stories to tell that this kind of project could go on for decades because we would never be able to profile all of the women in our lives or within our networks to be able to help lift their stories. But these other 15 women that said yes to us, I can't wait for them to see this. And I can't wait for others to read and to be touched by the beauty of these stories and the vulnerability 
and the authenticity. I mean, there are just, and the humor. I mean, there are some of those stories that I just laugh and cry all in the same chapter, but I was left, the feeling that I had after reading all of them together in that beautifully designed book by Brenda was, I want more. Tell me more about your story. And I want to hear other stories because there are so many other stories that are worthwhile profiling. So I'm pretty proud of the fact that we are going to actually have a book in hand by the end of the year. And we hope that we'll be able to sell lots of copies of that because it really truly is going to be a direct opportunity for us to tell more stories in particular to get some footage of one of our favorite icons, Nan Hendrickson. I have not abandoned the idea that we will do a film on her, a short film about her life, because I think the the opportunity to interview her and to see her in film and photography is really the best channel to get Nan's story out. And this is a way for stories to help support other stories. Thank you for listening. If you tuned into our first season, you know we believe in shining the light on women's stories. Please help us continue to illuminate women's stories by supporting Trustree. We've tended to shy away from self-promotion, and we know most women do this more often than they should. We're working on embracing our awesomeness and getting comfortable sharing all the great things we're up to. With that in mind, we'd love it if you check us out at trustgroup.com. All our links are there and you can buy some really cool shit. Subscribe to the podcast and share the podcast with your friends. Introduce us to women with stories that need to be told. Sign up for our newsletter, follow us on social media, Look for our candles in our online shop or at the Van Wares kiosk in Divine Consign on Main Street. And finally, check out our socials for information on the publication date of our first anthology, Omitted from My Obituary, the stories we neglect to share coming soon. I'm Lisa. And I'm Elizabeth. And together, we are Trust Tree.